In today's episode of Beers with Engineers, we'll be talking about The Happiest Man on Earth, a book by Eddie Jacku in which I highly recommend you read if you haven't already. And as a bit of a heads up, some of the things we talk about may come across as graphic to you, although I hope you enjoy today's episode. Three, two, one. Start the podcast! Howdy and welcome to Beers with Engineers. A podcast by Engineering Daz, where if it looks stupid but it works, then it's not stupid. Hurry up! Here, three blokes, Sean, James, and Patty, talk all things engineering, science, tech, maths, movies, entertainment, and news related. I swear I'm going to lose it! Anyways, sit down, relax, crack open a drink, and enjoy the episode. And good afternoon, gentlemen. Crack open your beverages. No worries, will do. And the reason I've called this meeting is to talk about the very late, well not the very late, but the late Eddie Jacku, kind of like a tribute who has recently died at the age of 101. Very impressive. So Mm. who was Eddie Jacku? He was a Jewish Holocaust survivor, survived Auschwitz, which was amazing, born in Germany in 1920, um, then later met the love of his life, came over to Australia in Brighton the Sands, which is very close by, um, had a mechanic shop and then later died, uh, in October 12th, I think it was. Yeah. And he claimed to be the happiest man alive. And mm-hmm. after reading his book, I definitely believe that. Now, I read this book why Eddie was still alive. Um, and it was just one of the random picks I found. And, you know, I I can't explain the emotion that I went through. And, Paddy, I think you listened to the audio book as well. But just the guy who narrates, like, sorry, when he narrates it, it's just mm. the voice, mm. the way it gets to you. Yeah. Just it, I've cried many times. So, Same. boys, what did you think of the book, The Happiest Man Alive? I mean, uh, the the title is somewhat misleading. To initially, the first sixty percent of the book is nothing but trauma. It's harrowing. It's harrowing. Yeah, mm. and but the the fact that it, given this so many experiences and then becoming the man he is now, and he is known as a figure in in Australia in um, so many circles of how like of strength. It mm-hmm. is incredible. He was an amazing person. He yeah. gave TED Talks recently, like a few years ago. He was giving TED Talks a few years before he died. Like this is how, yeah. like at a very at a, at a very elderly age. You know, he start he started doing talks in the nineties, just in you know synagogues and churches. Actually, yeah. probably, probably even before he, that. he was then, at the the Jewish Museum in Sydney a yeah. lot. The the Holocaust Museum there. It's mm. incredible. He was an amazing man, yeah. and the book um, captured. So much, yeah, but, so much. But probably people who are listening to this are thinking, "Why are we talking about Eddie Jacu, a yeah. Holocaust survivor?" And I think James can describe this better because he was a precision engineer. Well, he studied to be a mechanical precision engineer, and that's what I found most amazing. And we'll get into this: how it helped him through mm-hmm. Auschwitz, how it helped him through the concentration camps. Like he was just a brilliant man, both mentally and and physically. So. I like you touched on something really good when I first found this book I'm like oh the happiest man alive this is probably like a book about advice you know this is good to listen to in the car on the way to and yeah, from some work like power so I, book about- I remember like I didn't read the sip notes I just downloaded it and then I heard this guy I'm like this guy has a nice voice and he, yeah. then he goes to say oh I came home one day and my parents weren't home no one in my family was home I said alright this dog uh, yeah I think nothing of it so I'm just gonna go to sleep gets woken up by 5am in the morning by Nazis who were just capturing him taking him away kidnapping he's going what the hell is going on no idea at all his dog tried to save him like he just said killed his dog that 
It is. It is Harry, and the thing is that happens uh, a few, uh, like a one at the end of the first or second chapter, yeah. Yeah. and so it shows you the lead up of what happens in Germany before then. He had to change his name to go to university. He became Walter Schleif. Yeah. Um, he had to uh, assume identity. He would only travel during certain times and with certain people. He would do so much, and he, his family were experiencing had, racism. Had, had very little contact with his family from the ages of thirteen to eighteen, and eight. He was eighteen when he finally graduated and became yeah. Uh, a mechanic, mechanical precision engineer yeah. and was able to finally go home where he didn't find his yeah. family. And That night and was that, a crazy night because it wasn't just it him, was, it was thousands it of was, houses. It was thousands upon probably millions. Well, thousands, say, businesses, say, homes, yeah. Yeah, it was called uh, Crystal Knot. Uh, oh, cr- that's Crystal right Knot, so all the, ha- the, the night of broken glass, <sighs> which is basically all with the high tension of Nazism mm. going around in, in, the, in, the, in, 19, in 1938. Yeah. Um, everyone, no, is this wasn't done by police. No, or done, it was or done, done by the populace. It was done by the populate, the very anti-Semitic population at the time. And the cops yeah. turned their backs to it. And yep. it is just shocking to it's, think that this happened less, like, just over 100 years ago. Yeah. That's terrifying to me. Anyways. It's, yeah. Like, boys, the thing is, like, I read this a long time ago, or not a long time ago, almost a year ago. So I, I got like little bits and pieces that I picked up on. So this is fresh in your head, but something I remember is when he goes to the first camp. Um, in Bushwald? In, yeah, in Bushwald. Yeah. He sees one of his friends from uni. <gasps> yes. Oh, and, that shocked me. And, and, and he's, yeah, yeah. he gets like a little sense of hope and he's just gone. And he's, and he's, he's like, Walter Schleif, what, what are you doing here? He's called his name. He just goes like, dude, like what the hell's going on? Yeah. And he's just looked at him and just gone, don't talk to me. No, no, that's... Wait, no, the guy recognised him and says, hey, what are you doing here? I didn't realise you were Jewish. What? Yeah. Uh, and then he spits on his shoes. Yeah, and, and then pretends and, he doesn't know him. No, 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 no. He does, and he goes trying to help him out, saying, hey, this guy is a really good engineer. We need to help him. They said, no. But no, 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 no. He did get him out because... Yeah, correct. No, he got him out, and that's when he finally found his father. Found and his dad and his Belgium. Yes. The Belgium. And for the yeah. past uh, few weeks at that point, we're just hiding out. And yep. that's when he had to start... He, he signed his life away to work for a company because he was a mechanical engineer. His yeah. friend talked to his superiors. They talk, He talked his way into a job. Into and it's a like, job during this happened. war effort, you shall be working for this company for the rest yeah. of your life. And because, you know, at, at that point, Nazis thought, oh, next thousand years, we got this bag, we got this in the bag. Yeah, but true. look, like, you know, five years later, fuck them. Yeah. But now, sorry, well, I'm getting no, off track. No, no, fuck them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, obviously. Fuck. No, but so the plan, original plan was he was going to be taken from by his father and have two days with his family and then after those two days driven to the factory where he will then reside until mm. the war is done or whatever's yeah. done but that what actually happened was he him and his father were like fuck that shit we're going to belgium we're going to try to escape they yeah. get to the they get to the border of the netherlands try and cross over he loses contact with his father yeah he, say, he stayed back to save a woman trying to cross the road mm-hmm. and he had to run across the road and then they would meet up at the yeah the so finally get, they finally get to brussels and that's where they experience a whole new realm of i'm you're not a, you're not you're not jewish you're a, you're german and we yeah, get germans yes yeah, yes I, there was no in between it was just like and it's like so it's like i'm not i can't i'm a jewish yeah. in one country i'm a german in one country and both of you hate me like what am i supposed to do yeah like and was, is, wasn't he arrested when they got to brussels like by the actual police there for being german yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the, like the the it, informants in Gestapo. It, yeah, <sighs> that word just ugh. no, no, but no, um, not a fan. yeah, and it, it was wild at the fact that like uh the, the father he actually did meet up with his father in Brussels a few days later after they split up on the road, um, and the father came back and was just kicked in the stomach to the point where he was like 
like had long-term issues uh, and pretty much the cops found him said you're german pay us to get across and he gave him the cufflinks and went well these aren't real cufflinks you are probably jewish then and beat the shit out of him and then let him through that's mm. terrifying to me yeah is that not scary is that not okay because this is not like this was in germany this is in belgium <laughs> this is in belgium which the germans then decimated yeah. Ah, yeah. just. Now, when they were in hiding, when they were um, in Belgium, I'm pretty sure, yeah. and because they couldn't go to supermarkets and get food, wasn't he literally surviving off maggots and snails? Can you, like, confirm? I'm um, pretty sure, like... No, that, that, was that was in... Later. That was later on. Like, during during the, during the time between um, um, them arriving in... Uh, them, no, not Asher, so them, but them arriving in Belgium... Finally, connect with his father, and then mm. his sister, his young, his younger sister, and his mother finally come in. The family stayed in very, like, basically, an attic where they try to find jobs and everything like that. And he was working for cigarettes. A cut. He, he worked for four cans of cigarettes, cigarettes for yeah. a twelve night for like for night shift yeah. because he befriended uh, a mechanic. And he was like, "Okay, you come in. I'll make you a list of things to do during the night. And yeah. You have to get these done by this time. If you don't." No yeah. kind of cigarettes. So, and there was a curfew as well, so we yeah. could sneak in and out. Like it was, it's terrifying. Yeah. So when finally um, they found it, and the the Nazis finally came into Germany, or they were when they were kicking people out of, yeah. of uh, Belgium, actually, they came for their family. As soon as he was leaving for his night shift, he leaves, turns the corner, the police rock up to his to rock yeah. up to the place. At that time, they were hiding two children that they just, they just found. Yeah. They, the, the father. Because the neighbors the, had an attic with the, the family yeah. and they took the parents and the kids were left yes. behind. So the father, quick thinking he was, the the only re, the reason that Eddie Jakku is alive is because of his father for multiple reasons. But we'll that get he mentions in the book. We'll get to that a bit later on. So father, quick thinking, puts those two children in the attic. They, they'll die if I don't save them. So I'll be fine. Puts them in, in like a cupboard behind there. And while trying to hide them, he gets caught. And then he he's, he gets caught. The mother gets caught. The sister gets caught. They go away, and the police wait there for wait there for all the night yeah. until yeah. he gets there because they know he's returning. But they don't find the children. That is yeah. the silver lining and to the, this. And they and they live on. They live a you know a big yeah. a, a long life afterwards. So that's a good thing. Another thing that when he was hiding the kids, one of the kids had a, a, a like a sneeze or a, a cold. So he gave the kid like a wooden spoon. And put this in your mouth. So for twelve hours, this small child mm. held this spoon in his mouth to make sure it wouldn't sneeze to give it away to the Gestapo waiting outside for Eddie Jakku. Mm. And they did, and they survived because they mm. realized what would happen if they got caught. Now I want to get back to the father for a little bit because we want to talk. Incredible well, figure. Oh, what was the father's name? I completely forgot. Um, uh, it's not fresh in my head. Uh, I yes. can't remember. Someone, quick, someone quickly look it up. Anyway, so the father. This was at a time, and I was talking about this with my girlfriend because she just recently finished the book herself, mm. and it was. It's bizarre to me because this is at a time when you know what the father said in the household was law. Like it's like you aren't going to study this. No question about it. You will. This is what. Yeah. This is your job. This is. Like, it was like you know at a time when you know. That your dad, who is literally the head of the household, and I was, and obviously that's a different time. So, yeah. and nowadays that's not really the case. Maybe some households yeah. it is, but not really. But in this household, it definitely was. It was like I don't care what you want. At the age of thirteen, Eddie, you are studying engineering because this is the way that you can move forward and actually help yourself, help your future yeah. family, and help people. And several times during um, the experiences in the Holocaust, during the um, during the the farm, the sorry, the concentration camps and whatnot, um, work saved Eddie Jakku. Yeah, several times, and he says this is because my father pushed it. And there's so many times during the education, he says, "I just want to come home to see the my family who are being in the face of rising anti-Semitism." Mm. 
um, said, no, you stay, you work, you find purpose. And that saved him so many times during the Holocaust. Like, like at least three times it saved him mm. just because he was an, what was the word that they used? An inexpendable working Jew? Something like it that. It was something really racist. Really, yeah. like, yeah. a Jew, but they actually have a little bit of value so we won't kill them on yeah. sight. Yeah. That, there was three times he was about to go into a gas chamber and just before they said, no, 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 this one's working, yeah. grabbed him out of line, saved yeah. him. No, well, he, was, um, he voluntarily went into the line because that's the... when he Okay, we're going to skip past him finally being captured in Belgium. So, you know, a lot of things happen. He's He escaped a few times. The family escaped a mm. few times. They finally try to go into France during, you know... And then that, France the uses them as a bargaining chip to get the French back out. Yeah, and then fi so he finally... He, so himself and he finally links up again with his family again. They go to... They get on the trains. They go to Auschwitz. Gets, he gets split up with his oh, this the, is father, awful. the father, oh. the father, his, his father himself, because they're men. The men and women are split up, so he doesn't see his mother again, doesn't see his sister again that we know of, and then so it's just him and his father, and obviously uh, the the infamous armor. Um, uh, Doctor no Joseph Mengel, Joseph the Mengels, fucking biggest what, piece of what shit. Was, what in was the his world. nickname again? The, uh, the Angel of Death. The Angel of Death. So he was the one responsible for basically all of the uh, the infamous torture and experiments that went on at Auschwitz. Yep. And so he comes up. Okay, we're gonna have two lines. One going right. One going left. If doesn't doesn't say which one goes yeah. which. So everyone's going which way. Okay, you um, just point at uh, uh, Eddie. You're yeah. going the right. The father, you go on the left. Yeah, and they said, "Why? Why is he going to the left? I'll go with my dad." He goes, "No, no, no. They're just getting the truck to Auschwitz because, because, he he's, can walk. because he's older. Because yeah, he, yeah. he's getting the truck." Yeah, and then each, and that was the lie they told him before they sent him yep. the father yeah. and mother to the gas chamber. Yep. And the line that I hate was, "Where's my parents? They should be here." And uh, SS uh, soldier grabs him by the arm, drags him to the fence, says, "See that smoke cloud? Those are your parents." Yeah, I remember and that. That chapter yeah. is called "Hug Your Mother," and yep. that. May I straight up cried, man. That, that one broke me. That well, broke yeah. me hard. And yeah. I my parents were away at the time. I was like, I'm gonna call my parents. <laughs> like it was it was shocking. Yeah. That no uh, well, I also found something interesting in the first few chapters because obviously he, he just didn't talk about himself, Eddie. He, in, in in his in his memoir, he also talked about um, other people that were also being persecuted. So he was talking about um, the like homosexuals being persecuted, the gypsies being persecuted, oh, Hungarians and Russians, Hungarians, Russians, yeah. Ukrainians, and the Freemasons. And I was like, "What the fuck? Like, why? Why were the Freemasons being Not persecuted? That large of a community? I know. I, I was thinking, what, what the hell? And apparently, there were like Hitler just had a massive despising towards Freemasons and what they represented mm, because geez. because it was almost like a secrecy. Or like, and I was like, they're just like, at least the Freemasons, I assume they were collecting were just, you know, just literally brick workers or yeah. bricklayers, you mm. know, like it literally were Freemasons and not the secret society. It's like society hating the Amish. Like why? Like <laughs> why? They're just doing them. Yeah. Like, just let them do their own thing. Like, let them grow their weird beards and yeah. just, you know, plow the yeah. field. It's I fine. don't understand it, but I'm not going to like hate someone for that. Exactly. Like, it's, yeah, yeah. It's fine. There was so back to that whole lineup thing. So the experiments they ran happened in conjunction. So I'm going to go for a bit of a tangent in conjunction with something called Japan 731. Oh, so oh, these awful. tests that happened on Jews at the same time that Japan were testing on Chinese people. And just for a few examples, they tested humans and what's the maximum temperature a human can withstand both heat and cold? What's the maximum force they can withstand if we crush them? So mm. they pretty much tested human boundaries to see 
like and this is from a book called the body as well is how much can a human tolerate before they die of certain things how much like how many times can we stab a human before they die these are the a few a few experiments to name now the most amazing thing I found in this whole book, and I'll never forget this part, is when Eddie's in the line about to go to the gas chamber and when he speaks up for himself because he heard about them talking about leaking pipes and whatnot. And he just, just picked it up and he stored it in his brain somewhere. And in the line he goes, wait, 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 I can help you guys with leaking pipes. And they said, okay, what can you do for us? He goes, I'm a, I'm a mechanical engineer. I can fix all your pipes. He goes, lol, you know we have like, almost a hundred like tens like t- more than 10 kilometers worth of pipe work how are you going to fix all those he goes like anyway never mind just letting you know if we detect one leak in a pipe we're going to hang you in front of yeah, everyone straight had a away. sign on his neck mm-hmm. yeah that's that right. if are- anything broke and the, the pipe network you're talking about is because next to our shit was the uh the factories that they worked in mm. and there was 200 different lines for different things munitions gearboxes and each of them required one pipe but if one pipe broke all 200 machines stopped. You, you lost the whole line, yeah. And that's and that's when Eddie was just like, all right, fuck, there's a bit of pressure on me. So, <laughs> uh, Sorry, that was a bad pun on pressure and pipes. I'm sorry, that I should not be laughing. It, it act, that, I didn't know that there was a no, pun. No, 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 no. Eddie would approve of the laugh. He, like, he would have. Pressure and pipes, sorry. So He, he would appreciate the pun. It's okay. fine. So okay, cool. he, he got about 200 Jews, I think it was, 200 prisoners. I'm not going to refer to them as Jews. Prisoners. And gave them all a fucking whistle. That yeah, I'm pretty sure he made the whistle. Handmade whistles. Handmade 200 whistles. And he goes, can I take 200 um, prisoners with me? Because I, I've got work for them. So not only did he save... I mean, look, let's face it. There was millions of... Was it a few million Jews that died in the Holocaust? Six, six million or... Ten so? million, four million children. Okay, yeah. Oh, that's right. And then he took 200 of them. So not that much, but still saved 200 to 200 gave them all whistles and said all right guys can you watch the pressure gauges for me as soon as you see those pressure gauges drop blow the whistle and as soon as he heard the whistle he would sprint over to where he heard it yeah. and fix the pipe straight away and that's how he kept himself alive just by keeping that job in Auschwitz. Yeah. that's my favorite part of the whole book well the whole idea is like that work gives you purpose purpose gives you reason to live mm-hmm. in life and then the germans saw that too they said yeah okay this guy has a a purpose for us to serve yeah, so but, let's um let's use it yeah but during this time it's been you know he he's been in ashes for now for was it a year and a half at this point maybe two years i couldn't tell but i think for the the it's the, been it's been a while since he's been in ashes so he didn't know if his sister was dead or alive and who and was sta- and who was standing there with a whistle in her hand his sister, sister. And, apparently- and and he couldn't Mention, yeah. say anything because if he, they found out there were brother and they sister would find, they would so they it. would have to just you know communicate in their own way which is they just like whisper looks. when they walk past each other or yep. just touch the machine that will choose on that is what made me cry like yeah. honestly just the like fact the, the fact that it's like in this life or this situation it's yeah. like I, 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 all I want to do is literally just hug you like be there for you and I can't and, and yeah I, console you after both the parents had passed away 100% it's just it's like, oh, it, it, yeah, mm. and they, a, what a they lot, did, a lot of these things broke my heart in this movie. Yeah, they, yeah. that was just the first, that, that, that was like the tenth of a hundred. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the amazing thing was is how he just kept a positive attitude through the whole thing. One of my yep. favorite quotes from the book, and it's not the exact quote, but he says, he goes, "I hate Hitler. Like I wish I could kill Hitler with my bare hands so much, but the best revenge I could ever get on Hitler is him not winning the war." And him not getting what he wanted. That is yeah, that is what made him so happy. Yeah, and they had um for him and his partner, which they eventually uh, Floor, who, who eventually yeah. married after the war yeah. and who was you know, who, you know, had her own story going on. She like, yeah. you know, she was she a survived Belgian, as yeah. Christian Delacroix, the most Christian name. Christian Delacroix means Christian <laughs> of the cross. Yes. By the way. So uh, they, they lived under a false identity. It's for almost a while, like yeah. a, a joke. 
to have to be that yeah, Christian. Their, their anniversary was, was on Hitler's, Hitler's birthday. birthday. No, it was oh, on birthday. Birthday dead. Birthday. And, okay, birthday. But the whole idea was we're alive and he's dead, and yeah. that was that was their revenge. Mm-hmm. They do nothing no, but, but be happy, and that that would have pissed Hitler off. But since you're talking about quotes, I wrote down two that I found to be mm. great. One is more just you know something I personally thought, and one is more engineering based. Yeah. Okay. okay. So the first one I wrote it was just it's one in the within the first few paragraphs. It's like a man is worth more than his bank account. I. Spot on. Yep. Spot 100%. on. And, yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. I never, and I never really thought about it that way. I thought it was like, oh, I mean, I'm definitely worth more than my mo- like what I, what I currently am. But it's like, yeah, it doesn't it's- matter. But the thing is, it doesn't matter how much I, the money is, money money comes and goes. You don't own money. Money is just currently It's just in a your number and account. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, as long as I'm happy with myself, all good. So I'll, I want to probably take that on within, in, within, within my life. In going how forward. you value yourself. Exactly. Going yeah. But one is, and this is definitely engineering based. Uh, is later on the later on and probably the last chapter actually the human body is the greatest machine yes yeah. i was gonna call that one too because so at the end when he was finally rescued by allied uh, american soldiers they he they said it's not good and they wouldn't tell him how how much uh, the chance of surviving said look it's 80 percent chance you'll die 20 percent chance and even if you do survive you're not going to survive well he was a fully grown man who weighed Less than 30 kilos. 20 kilos. 20, uh, 28 kilos. I don't know kilos, how many pounds that is, but it's not a lot. It was <laughs> like uh, about, 45, no, 40, about 40, 50 pounds. Yeah. 28 kilo man. Think of the bones and brain that you need to. Yeah, that, that's 10 kilos gone. I know. And like, it's they, nothing. They gave him a 60... And they gave him an 80% chance of death. It might have been no, 60. No, no, been 60, no, 60 yeah. Yeah, I think I might have re- mispronounced it. But the fact is, right, that this is a young man who weighs well below the weight that he should be. He has been starved. He's been beaten. He was yeah. shot and then and back in the camp and then lived to 101 yeah. and wrote a book about being the happiest man alive. That is incredible. Like, he got like the, the human yeah. body. He, yeah. he was 28 kilos and had typhoid. Typhoid was one of the fucking most dangerous, deadliest mm. diseases, infectious diseases you could have had back then. No vaccines, no antibiotics for it, and he survived that. Yeah. Well, the, the, the quote that he says, and I'm not going to get this verbatim, but it is incredible, was like, you can't destroy the human spirit. They're, like, a human body mm. is just blood, flesh, and bones and chemicals, but the human spirit is what drives it. Without the human spirit, doesn't matter how strong you are, you're gone. You can be as weak as possible, but if your spirit is intact, if you have belief and faith in yourself, you will push on. And he is just an absolute like icon for this. He has he has yes. proven beyond a doubt that if you have the faith to believe and to survive and the spirit, doesn't matter, you'll go through it. I, I, 100%. I 100% believe like not stressing and no. being happy will keep you alive. Mm. And I a bit of a tangent. I remember I was, on a, I was on a cruise ship and there was this lady celebrating her 100th birthday on the cruise. That's lovely. And then I remember dad asked her, he goes, so what's like, what's your secret? How, how do you do it? And she just said, I have a positive attitude. She goes, yeah, I have things wrong with me. I've got pe- everything old people get. I've got mm. things I've got to manage, take tablets for, but I just have a positive attitude and that's what's kept me alive. Mm-hmm. Physically and mentally capable. We used to have no. conversations. She'd walk the whole entire ship. So it literally is no. a lot of things that just your approach. And that's, yeah. and, that, and that's why this book is called The Happiest Man on Earth because even though obviously Sean and James, they thought that they were just reading, you know, thought something, nothing, they didn't think they were reading yeah. a book about a Holocaust. A self help book they, or something. They like thought they were reading but, a and, but the thing is, that's what it is. It is this book, it is, is yeah. a self help book disguised as. A, a a memoir about a Holocaust survivor, mm, and exactly, it's, yeah. it's a, it's a fantastic read, and I highly recommend that. Obviously, I, I just want to say this, but you know, 
if you don't want to know what the story is, you know, probably don't listen to the podcast. You know, p- read the book. We probably should have given <laughs> you it said a- that. You've said that like at the back end of the I podcast. I know. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Patty, uh, before you edit this podcast, could you just put a disclaimer in if you haven't read the book? Uh, just put a spoiler <laughs> I'll warning. I'll do that now. Yeah, I'll do okay. that now. Yeah, anyway, you. so I feel like we should probably get back to like, the main narrative, which is his, like, Eddie's mm-hmm. life during the... So he does the whistles. He... He has this job. He tried to escape a few times. Several like, times. Several times. One, four, of, five times one of them escaped? one of them he befriended someone in a factory, tried to sneak in a barrel, but they forgot a jacket. And when he finally got tried to find somebody and he got to a house, they, you know, yeah. turned a gun on him and turned him back into the Auschwitz people and or he, No no no. So oh, the story sorry. is No, um, he, he found he found if he had a convent. What am I talking about now? I don't no. know. No, so so slightly different. So he did um, a worker, a German worker, did empathize with him, put him in the barrel with the chain, and said, "After a while, roll out." But they didn't think about the clothes. Yeah. So he snuck up to a house, knocked on the door to a Polish person because Auschwitz is in Poland, knocked on the door and said, "Please, can I get some help?" And the guy got a gun and shot him. Yeah. So he ran away, shot a few times, got him in the leg, and he realized if this is what the populace is going to treat me like. I'm better being in Auschwitz. And oh, so, so during himself, the work, yeah. no, no, didn't turn himself back in, but during one of the factories, he would wait in the forest right next to them. And as they walked past, he would run into the crowd with a bullet through his leg and try and keep up with pace. Cause if he lost pace, they would shoot him. Yeah. So he, with a bullet, he walked back into Auschwitz and then had a doctor, uh, who was a friend of his, save his life. So uh, two things that saved him. One was work in their expertise and training, and two was friends. Yes. They had a massive met, uh, like, uh, connection and network of friends that saved his life, and, and that so, kept his spirit up. And basically outstayed the... In- I'm pretty sure he was probably one of the rare, rare sorts actually outstayed the entirety of... Like the probably one of the longest people living in Auschwitz because mm. usually well, the longevity or the, the life expectancy for arriving at Auschwitz to death for a lot of people yeah. was within weeks. Yeah. And they had a saying that they said, like, we can kill them, but we'd rather humiliate them through work and pain and mm. suffering before we do it. And that was, and that was definitely, and that was definitely an example that uh, the Nazis used in the infamous death march, which was the, death march, the yeah. end of the war. Obviously, during, obviously that, they tried to move it them away it from the front the, lines. It marked the end of their stay He's, at Auschwitz, and yeah. because the Russian front was coming in, they yeah. had to move them. So they were all moving. They were moving and trying to move them was, closer. To was this when yeah. they put them in that like from a train, and they put them in a train like in they the did, middle they of? They did no, one. That, that, they that did was, it twice. That was after the death march. So that they finally they do the death march. They get to a certain uh, location. I've, like, I've, they're hungry, I think. And then yeah. the Hungarian woman, like, throwing bread in. Mm. And this was super cold in winter during the death march when he's weighing, like, 30 or something kilos. Mm-hmm. And they had a tailor on the train. They've put him onto a train. And that's when the Hungarian woman was throwing the bread at them. And they did the tailoring. Yeah. So there was I wrote, a ta- I wrote that down. So they traveled in a, wa- they tra- they traveled in a, uh, a roofless train. Where snow was coming in, they all had jacket, the thin like, jacket, all, all had thin jacket coats on them. So, and he was sitting next to a tailor who who had the idea to sew them all together and make a giant blanket yeah. so everyone can huddle yeah. under it, have their like their bodies warm, by the warm but all of their heads were still up above. So the 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 above was just covered in snow, but underneath was yeah. like the, there was it was so warm just from the body heat, yeah, and yeah. because of that, they they, were, they, they were survived. The, uh, only a few people, I think it was like maybe two or t- two or three, might have passed away in on the- his tram. But the one next to it completely decimated because yep. he knew because he was the one who had to grab the bodies out. And in that story, there's a guy that almost died, and in his final moments, popped up out of the snow, said, "I've been 
give this photo of my wife. I want her to know that I was thinking about her and then passed away in his arms. Yeah. That's fucking awful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was the point. Actually, my one of my second favorite points, Pads, that you just brought up when they made the blankets out of the jackets was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, I thought, I thought I thought you would you'll be fucking yeah. over that. Yeah, it's just like the engineering concepts, like I don't know how it's just the little things that help. Is mm. it's like the uh the, the people next to you that you just don't know what they're capable of. Yeah. So it's just like oh And like throughout this, right, you've got the Nazis and the German populace, the majority of them being cruel. And even to the point where pushed into like the corner, Jews were like uh, locked into a room and then things would scream and then Jews would like trample over each other sorry like prisoners would trample over each other and kill them in the panic and soon he realized there's going to be people who are bad there's even like conspiracies who would point out people who weren't working hard enough and were given like brandy and then those prisoners would then be killed mm. like there are going to be people regardless of rank position that will treat you badly there are also good in the world. Now is a big thing that he was pointing out. There are yep. good people in the world. And to the point where... So relying on the kindness of strangers. Yeah. And even after being killed, uh, being shot at by a Polishman, he escaped again later, knocked on another house. Uh, and this, they said, this, is, this is what made me cry. Honestly, yeah. I, was, I broke down in tears because he yeah. finally, after a long time being yeah. captured he finally gets the nerve he goes to a final his final uh concentration camp he gets a job at a factory and from the journey from the walk from the from the camp to the factory he noticed uh drain the drainage system yeah. it's like what i can do is i can find some logs make that a shield or make that like comfort i can during the dead of night he waited finally opened the crate uh, opened the uh, drainage system, hid there passed out he woke up with the woods all shot at because yeah, what the, the SS would shoot yeah. because they thought there would be someone in there. But he comes out, no one's there. He's finally escaped. Starts running, yeah. knocks on the door. A daughter opens up to this to this farm farmhouse, and she's like, "I was like, Papa, like the father comes." Father looks at him, possibly in, in Germany, possibly a, a Nazi sympathizer. Yeah, looks at him. The father starts crying because he finally and I analyze this a little bit and I feel like he started crying because he realized the entire what? time he's like, Yeah, Nazi's good, Nazi's good, Nazi's good, looks at what the Nazis have done yeah. and he's realized, like, yeah. what the hell have I been approving? I'm yeah. I'm a I'm a I'm a monster for approving this and yeah. for sympathizing yeah. with and, this. And, and he gave him clothes, jackets, food, and said, Please sleep in the barn. And at that no. point, Eddie Jacoby went no and ran. He ran, and that's when he started living in the caves for, for the last, and, yeah. for the last, yeah. last bit of the war. He just started living in caves and, and then crawled out yeah. as he saw the the American tanks roll through and pass down their arms. Yeah, and and that was what is like crazy is now in history they refer to Nazis as evolutionists. So like you you have all the different spectrums of politics, but evolutionists literally believe that their race is superior so like, dumb and they look at everyone else like they're animals we can treat them like that and that's why mm. they thrive in that and the, they were, the reason they were monsters a lot of the Nazis is because a lot of them took something called pyridine which is like a derivative of speed so the whole time their functioning is pretty much robots I don't consider Nazis as human yeah, uh, okay. not- that was more the frontline troops because they were pushing the Blitzkrieg attacks. Even yeah, even the yeah. concentration camp Nazis, not not as to the high extent. They not were like to, twenty not, times. Not to the, the point. If yeah. you're if you're an you know an officer or just a, sh- a soldier or a guard at the mm. uh, that, that's probably the easiest job in for for the Nazis was just because you had being a bully. Yeah. Basically, yeah. being a being a professional bully and getting yeah. paid for it. Not and a- but actually, you do make a good point about the uh, not a good point. Sorry about that. So, like, did you want to play devil's advocate, James, at all during this podcast? I think I've played. <laughs> you played devil's advocate. I, I want to talk uh, about uh, a little bit on the dehumanizing element there. No, nah, well, that's what I wanted to bring up because they were serving. Like, there's a he, he, he tells a story oh, halfway through coffee. about 
coffee and they were serving as, a, as just like one, of the, one little luxury that they were getting. He had it with his through, friend in Auschwitz, through, right? Through, through his friend, uh, Knut. Was it Knut? Uh, it sounds familiar. Are you yeah, so talk, like the chemical Knut, castration? Yeah, the chemical castration. So what they would right. do is like after a, f- a while, they were drinking the coffee, like weeks go by, they're still drinking it. And one day he's like, oh, it tastes a bit funny. So he walks up to the, the people that make the coffee and it says, oh, what's in it? It tastes funny today. And it's like, oh, we put this in it. And he looks at it. Bromide. It's bromide, which is... Um, which a Natural which, libido. Uh, no, not natural, a but natu- libido suppressant. A natural testosterone like yeah. uh, killer. So basically what the Nazis were doing was not only killing the, the, the Jewish population as well as a lot of other people. They were Ensuring also, they couldn't reproduce. Yeah. Exactly. Chemically castrating. That yeah. is fucked. Incredible. I was going to say yeah. evil, but sure, fucked. Yeah, yeah dehumanizing. So restricting the ability. And even after the Holocaust, they had one of the friends from Holo- from Auschwitz who went back to Israel and couldn't have kids. Yeah. Bloodline ended it's from that. It was awful. And then he once Eddie realized that he says, we're not having coffee anymore with no, his no, friend. He told his friend of me, he's like, yeah. no, chuck it away. No. Yeah. And a story I want to add on like that dehumanizing element of that, that realizing that the Germans didn't treat these prisoners like humans mm. um, was I went to the... The Holocaust Museum in Sydney, and on display was this lampshade, and there was a Holocaust survivor there, and he was giving the tour, and he says, "What do you think this is made out of?" And that's broke me because it turns out it was made out of a human skin, right? And so there's a photo that accompanies it where there's a guy holding the vase and talking to an SS trooper, and the quotation is, "Wow, you made this lampshade out of a Jew. Do you reckon you can do it out of a human as well?" And the guy goes, ah, uh, probably. Like, that's the level that they don't consider people as humans anymore, where they think they're physically different. That it, it made me so mad as a no. small, like, kid. I, have you guys been to any any of the European concentration camps? No, I've been no. to I've been to three, though. I went to Dachau, I went to Auschwitz, and I went to one near Berlin. I forget the name for that. It's, uh, I'm pretty sure that might have, been, might have been one of the first ones he actually went to, Eddie Jakku, but the Auschwitz one. Butchwald? No. Might have been that one, actually. Okay. Sorry. Anyways. But I went to the... I went to, When I went to Auschwitz, it was early in the morning, and it was like it was cloudy all day. I finally get there. I'm tired. I'm like jet lag a little bit. So I was like, oh god, I'm so I'm, I'm, yeah. So I go in there. You know, it, it's 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 incredibly. You can't say you had fun there because I didn't have fun there. No one had. No one. No. No, no I, one goes it, there to it have was, fun. Yeah. It was, the, but it was one of the most moving experiences of my entire life because mm-hmm. when we finally go in there, we're listening to everything that they're saying because everyone's in, everyone speaks different languages that goes there. It's an international mm-hmm. uh, historical place. It is a historical place now. Yeah. Is it so everyone has these like headphones on like as we do now with different like language translators or anything like the guy spoke english luckily so i was just listening to him and we go in all these different rooms that the that the officers lived in where there's pots pans shoes luggages um even hair it's and this, yeah. this is all the things that they owned the, the, the jewish people and even like it's ridiculous yeah. and then you go outside you just tell he bombards you with all these inf- this information that's devastating i go I go outside, I start crying, and then yeah. it starts snowing. And I was like, oh my God, like, this is ridiculous. Far out. And, it's like, and so I highly recommend going yeah, to, oh, it's, it's uh, to have visit, visiting. Yeah. I feel like it's in, we can't forget this. I feel like that's the point we're trying to make. It's like, obviously, he was an engineer. That's why we're talking about it, but also talking about it because we just, if we, if you forget history, you're doomed to repeat it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's actually a Sean, uh, quote that Sean taught me, and I do mm-hmm. live by. That's why I love history, is because. I've strongly believed that everyone should learn it so yeah. we can be progressive and get 
further in life not repeat mistakes we've made Mm -hmm. yeah and when i'm seeing rise of anti-semitism in the modern day it's it's it is terrifying it's it's scary because what walt uh, what Walter Schleif or Eddie Jacu, his real name, went through was, as his, his name was no, that no, was, no, it was his pseudonym. But the point yeah. being is, in a rise of anti-Semitism, where he changed his name, I'm seeing some similarities to today, and you can see how slippery of a slope that that was then. Hmm. I'm terrified of what it could do today, and I think most people, most people are, are across that and go, okay, yeah, let's stand up to fringe elements. There's some fringe elements that just seem to grow traction, and it's terrifying. Yeah. Anyway, on on that uh, dark note, but also in a way inspiring, I'd like to wrap that up, boys. Thank mm. you, thank you for talking about that. Thank I'm you proud for that no one broke down in that because I almost did. Just I almost got really mad at the the lampshade. Uh, I almost started like I could tell you were very, very frustrated. The, yeah, you, the you angel your, of you death. Had your, you had your raise in your hand. You're about to throw it on the wall. I, I, I was I was now that I started thinking about it. I was like started getting teary and angry yeah. at the same time. Look, no. I, I, I like to consider myself as not a violent person, but if I could meet the angel of death, I would like to put him against the wall and just say why, why. That mm. that that's all. Yep. Again, we highly recommend you read the book. It's the happiest man on earth. Uh, by yeah. Eddie Jacu, um, also by a smattering of other people that helped him write it. He wrote it at uh, 100, 99, yeah. 100 years old. And to, to wrap it up, he did. He passed away in uh, another country that he loves, um, love Australia, uh, but he had several children. He's got like four or five grandkids. Yeah, so many. And a, a few, uh, I think yeah, three great-grandchildren. Great yep. so yeah. And so he is just an he is, icon. He, is, he yeah. is the happiest man on earth. Yeah. I feel yeah. like he is. And yeah. May you rest in peace, Eddie. Hopefully you rest in one day, buddy. Rest in peace. Thanks for listening. To see more Engineering Dads content like this, head to our YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, and I'll link below to see our other projects. Have a good one.